It's This Week in Sleaze with your hosts, the great lord Joshua Regal and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Let's talk some donkey riding and nose or muff diving. We'll see what we come to a conclusion, uh, what it is, nose or muff diving. But uh, anyway, the intro goes as follows. Uh, we are adding to the list of uh, category-free movies about making category-free movies. One of at least my favorite things to do on the show, to find these movies like Ledgen of an erotic movie star. I said Ledgen, that is not uh, the Swede uh, speaking English prop- uh, improperly. That is the effing title of the movie, Ledgen of an Erotic Movie Star, but uh, Temptation Summary 2, you might remember as well, Joshua, that was about making category-free movies, they had scripts in that one, with a category-free pre-printed on it in gold. So you know what kind of movie it is from the get-go, it's not like written at the small, like, uh, no, category, boom! Ray, we go. get we have our rating before the movie's even been made. Exactly, and and as you may remember, um, as one character stated in Temptation Summary Two, the the sort of artsy uh, uh, fartsy director, uh, he stated that uh, for for me, films of category three are rubbish. <laughs> And he got to eat his word because he made like a boring, arty f- film that no one liked. Uh, but anyway, that, that's what we're doing for this episode. And uh, that, that's um, wow. uh, we we could have picked like okay, we could have picked two movies um, that uh, w- that are, would be widely different about, and that would be about making category three movies that would have been fantastic. But only one is, but they have connective tissue. And the uh, 1976's Confession of a Concubine, it's a fairly obscure period erotica with elements sort of later seen in a, in a Chinese torture chamber story but the true connection to 1976 is 2012's Vulgaria from director Edmund Pang Ho Chung and he sent us his plot partly about remaking slash making a sequel to the 1976 movie and thus we cover both. So I'm Slazy K and with me as always is the great Lord Joshua Regal who's quietly humming Love me, baby, make love to me. I, I love me, baby, make love to me. Uh, 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 uh. Prepare for 90 minutes of that. <laughs> <laughs> Give the listeners context, just a little brief blurb. Why, w- why would I even pull that, uh, uh, that piece of lyrics uh, in-, in the intro? Uh, the, uh, what movie and in what way does it connect uh, to our show here? The lovely confessions of a Chinese uh, courtesan features the just greatest disco sex track you've ever heard, and it's played throughout. You know, a good seventy-five percent of the movie, the yep. same fucking song. <laughs> it's the theme. It's the grand old theme, the meaningful theme about loving me, baby, making love to me. It's art, man. Yeah. It's fucking like Indiana Jones, how Indiana Jones' theme plays over every single scene, no matter what the context. 
and 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 uh, you did a little like category free Freudian slip. You like you said confessions of a Chinese courtesan. Like you you're thinking of way better movies like Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan. Oh shit, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> like I hear you, buddy. I hear you. but uh, we, we'll get to that. Some quick contact information for this fifty uh, second episode of uh, this week in Sleeves, and we are located on podcastonfire.com along with all our other shows covering. A regular lower rated mostly Hong Kong cinema, new and old. We do uh, shows on Korean cinema, Japanese cinema, and uh, ninja cinema, and uh, bonus episodes. In our case, boner episode uh, comes uh, through every now and again. And Joshua had a grand old idea for a boner episode, if you even remember what you proposed to me uh, a week or two ago. I say we re review the greatest film that we've ever covered on this show. A great film. That changed and touched both Ken and I in the way that we do business, the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we approach relationships, both, you know, with the opposite sex as well as, you know, our contemporaries, our peers. Slippery slope, my friend. <laughs> I'm talking about, of course, Mind Fuck! <laughs> Which is a movie that's not called that, but that's the only title we know it. I uh, know it as, and it is sort of um, it is critical because that's the episode where I, in my silly intro, uh, crafted without knowing it will be a thing, uh, the sort of opening holler of uh, shows like this in in this. In that episode, because that movie is a hardcore pornographic movie. So I simply said, let's talk some fucking! <laughs> After that, I just had to come up with variations of that uh, for each and every episode. But I don't mind. Uh, silly creativity is creativity nonetheless. Damn right. So uh, we, we did Ghoul Sex Squad and Mind Fuck for that episode. The funny thing is with Ghoul Sex Squad, I, I did this uh, on, on a prior episode, this piece of info that was obtained after the fact. Because I, I didn't know it just happened. It just happened in front of me. It was a hopping vampire one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with with a bad vampire teeth and things like that, and the uh, the uh, Taoist priest transporting the hopping vampires and then fucking them at night. <laughs> of course, <laughs> uh, you know, dead and dead and corpse filia thingy, uh, necrophilia, of course. Nice. Uh, but the the thing is, I saw a category three movie like two or three years later. Called uh, uh, Luchai Ghost Story, I think. Uh, something like that. And I watched it and I knew it had Lee Chung Ling, uh, one of the Coxmen of Category 3. Of course. And uh, okay, I'll, I'll totes watch it. You know, I'll, I'll get a paragraph out of this. And all of a sudden, like deja vu all over the place. And I realized this is the Category 3 softcore version of Ghoul Sex Squad, only with added separate scenes with Lee Chung Ling and another lady. <laughs> and they weren't even subtitled. Those scenes were done later, and they didn't even bother to subtitle them. Right? So whatever their, their side plot was, not even looking in on the other movie. I, I have no idea, but they, it was structured around a couple of new sex scenes with uh, Ghoul Sex... Uh, with, 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 with the Ghoul Sex Squad. <laughs> <laughs> with Lee Chung Ling and his lady. And then it was that um, uh, scene where the lady rips off her skin and there's a sort of ghost story and revenge uh, template and stuff like that. That That's still in there. But they, they did that with the movie too. It was pure hardcore in some shape or form in, in some, some territories and uh, released as a, as a regular one. You could show regular folks um, with a proper rating. So you never know what you're going to encounter. So they uh, managed to use the movie as... Um, extensively as possible i guess by crafting uh, uh, hardcore and softcore which we have experienced before you know look at look at yes. uh, julie lee's uh, magnum opus trilogy of lust i'd rather not 
Uh, let's not talk about eggs or uh, or uh, pussy juice. Uh, you know, Fuck. we have already done so. Anyway, we're, that, that's the show. As you know, now you know now you have an idea what this week's list is about. Uh, we have an email podcast on fire at googlemail.com If you have any questions or feedback, uh, click the various buttons on the top of our website to reach us on Facebook, Twitter. Click the button to subscribe to us on iTunes, and uh, you can stream us on Stitcher Radio as well. And uh, they have an app for the uh, the various devices out there. Uh, I write about a variety of uh, category-free movies, Taiwanese movies and Hong Kong movies on SoGoodReviews.com I'm speaking very fast for some reason, just because I'm da, 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 rattling this off. Yes, confession of a concubine, here we go! Uh, but uh, that's what I do. A sleazy K video is the address for my basic video reviews and my uh, tweets are, I'm slowing down now, my tweets are at SoGoodReviews. Hello ladies. I can do one Nick Cage impression. Ladies. I don't know why, I don't know why. <laughs> Ain't enough, your love, baby. I wonder though if uh, shelf life clothing our friends would ever consider doing a hardcore pornographic like category. Well, not even category free t shirt, like a mindfuck t shirt. The mindfuck t shirt would have uh, finely crafted images of dirty genitalia <laughs> because it, ha- it has to look like stylish, man. Like uh, right. you, you can't just screen crap, uh, no. cap the movie and put that crap on the t-shirt like an iron-on shit. <laughs> I would love it, but uh, uh, Brian Kirby of Shelf Life Clothing, one of our friends, and uh, follow his link. I bet you he could. He'd, he'd have to use some of those same splatter effects that he used on like the Category Three shirt. And those splatter effects are white, by the way, so that obviously suggests um, perfect. The obvious thing. Uh, I right. got, got two of them. So if if I if I uh, and and I don't never need to replace them because they're already like stained. So if I stay stain them myself, then no one will ever know. It's just improving on the design. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, but regardless, uh, you have a little uh, podcast archive out there, a trashy trio that I'm sure is an ongoing podcast whenever you find time in life to do it, which is uh, all fair. So uh, you uh, discuss uh, messed up uh, movies. Is that a good sales pitch for that podcast archive? Fucked up shit. Not Good just times. not just Asian though. Uh just uh yeah, we we cover a little bit of everything. Asian, uh European, even some uh American stuff, you know. Similar films is what we cover on here, just uh from a broad variety of areas. Cool, and uh, we'll link to all of that. And uh, in the meantime, we'll take a musical break, and obviously, we'll play the uh, quite. Um, it's not annoying to listen to it once, listeners, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, so, so this musical break is going to be very sweet. But uh, those of us who watched Confession of a Concubine, we'd have to, we had to endure "Love Me, Baby, Make Love to Me" for, as Joshua said, about seventy-five percent of the very short movie. <laughs> so what Ken's going to do is he's going to loop the track for about 75 minutes <laughs> and then we'll be back for the review an epic podcast uh <laughs> it's our end of year podcast or something like where we just loop things annoyingly it's a three-hour episode you know with an hour and a half of it being the fucking theme <laughs> and there's gonna be news of riots around the world like it was based on a we heard people shouting like love me baby love make love to me i do not love you baby boom like pow and lo- looting and shit. A lot of guys pretending to have female orgasms. I did, I, it's bizarre. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, what you have to look forward to. <laughs> that you have to look forward to as well. I'm not even gonna do a musical break like I have you. So <laughs> <Fuck it. laughs> I'll just go for the next seventy-five minutes.
Uh, anyway, we'll take that musical break that we've been uh, talking about for 10 minutes, and after that we'll do a rundown and uh, first review of the show. Confessions of a concubine. Or confession of a concubine. So sit tight and we'll be right back. And welcome back, and we get, we got a few sections coming up, uh, despite our silliness uh, leading up to this uh, this section. So uh, here's the rundown, your heads up of uh, what's to come, and I've placed time codes in the show posts, so you can conveniently jump between them, and they are as follows. The first half is simply our review, or confession of a concubine. We then take another musical break for that uh, very... Uh, like the music they composed for Bulgaria sounded oddly like this send-up of an eclectic track that Quentin Tarantino would have picked, you know, from his sort of library of, I like that music, and I'm going to put that into uh, into my movie. It's a, it's a cool track for Bulgaria, so we'll do that musical break. After that, we'll talk director Pang Ho Chung for a little bit, and then review his movie, Bulgaria, that, uh, as I said, connects to Confession of a Concubine. But first of all, the old movie from 1976, and plot from my review of the film, Susan, played by Siu Yam Yam, who's also in Bulgaria. Her English name is uh, Susan, so she's uh, Susan Siu or Susan Shaw, which is convenient for that she's called Susan in Confession of a Concubine. Anyway, she is one of the newly trained concubines of the Chinua Pleasure House, connecting uh, uh, to senior officer in a training play called uh, Wang Chu Chung, played by Henry Yu, eventually, and co- connecting in terms of she, she falls in love with him. Eventually, she's instead taken away by Merchant Ching, played by the co-director of the film, Peter Yang, who will dominate her as per the rules and conditions of this particular dynasty. So will uh, actual love get a chance to matter between the two that connected? Dot, dot, dot. What's love got to do with it? Yeah, exactly. Something like that. What's love but a second-hand emotion? And uh, our enthusiasm shines through, but uh, we're going to do a proper review and a proper short bite-sized opinion, first of all. So, uh, yeah, your name for Confession of a Concubine, uh, Joshua. (laughs) I'm going to have to go with a nay on this one. I had difficulty even staying with the film and just, like, keeping up with the plot. It moves kind of at a snail's pace lots and lots of uh different little sexual escapades without much uh getting you into the plot and caring about any of these characters there's some fun bits here and there but by and large it's a very sluggish watch to me yeah certainly not a classic i didn't know of it as a classic um as i said i only connected these two for the show because of the very connection that we talked of i mean i don't like it as such but i think for a while it's an amusing parade of agreeable elements for the crowd that that likes this stuff you know the sexual stuff but it certainly doesn't put story at the forefront it takes a while before it kickstarts it and when it does it doesn't earn its downbeat story elements it begins like the training sequence from 36 Chambers of Shaolin, but you, you never get the actual 
you know, one-two punch of like, you know, somebody wanting revenge or anything like that, that can, you know, but like a basic driving force for it. Instead, you just get a whole bunch of, in this crazy, uh, sexual training sequences followed by some back and forth, you know, kind of, I guess, love. Well, well, well. If we stick to those training scenes, because they are quite uh, extensive, uh, really. I mean, it, it, just conceptually, when looking at them, that we get this insight into what makes a concubine. Is there any amusement in terms of what techniques they um, they uh, train at and then apply in uh, in uh, in their profession? Is the, is that at all fun? Absolutely. I think that's the best part of the film. You know, I mean, that's the one thing people probably gonna. Nobody's going to walk away going like, oh my god, I can't believe it's Susan, you know, I mean, and nobody's going to give a fuck about that, but they are going to walk away saying, oh, it's really funny how they put them on top, what the fuck were they putting them on those pots for, you know, and having them squeeze their legs, and there's like this, these bits where they take like these crumpled up papers and place them underneath the woman's bottom, and she has to wriggle around her ass until she flattens out the paper. And uh, while she's also doing that, she has like an egg placed under the small of her back. And if she breaks the egg, then she fails. But that stuff's the stuff that you actually are going to remember from the movie. Yeah, because you, you're absolutely 100% right. That doesn't pay off as such as this sort of training and then through line plot wise to this crescendo even for a sex movie but but it is fun it's sort of um, visually and uh, design wise fairly creative uh, you know this insight into how a courtesan is um, crafted is um, it is it's fun enough it's it's rather delightful to see this shop you know this this machine if they had figured out a way to you know introduce all of this into the third act rather than opening with it, mm-hmm. it would probably make for a better film. You yeah. know, having a story that tells us how this character gets into the, uh, you know, this brothel lifestyle or what have you, and then introducing all this, you know, silly training and stuff like that, and then have some kind of climax to their story towards the back end. You know, that's, you know, a bit more probably um, of a generic and expected plot line, yeah. but it would have probably kept my interest a lot more. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the 75% thing is actually applies to what the movie does because it, it sort of take this take this uh, the training and then the applying it in, uh, so to say, real life towards customers. That is sort of the 75% of the movie and then they add a little, uh, so yeah, to say, right. romantic plot. But they do it so um, slapdash, man. It's not... Uh, right. It's introduced way too late and then not fleshed out as such. So... Uh, there is, you know, good intent here. There's decent enough cinematography. There's an interest in how uh, the directors, um, one of which is uh, Chan Chi Wa, who I believe directed at least two Jackie Chan movies, Martial Arts, um, uh, Snake and Crane, Martial Arts of Shaolin was one of the movie he, movies he directed. But anyway, there's there's a variety of shots and visuals here that are that are fun, crafted well enough in terms of. Uh, well, the, the visual, the technical visual, and the production and costume design, while seemingly recycled from countless other palace movies, period movies, it's still when we when we're still in this sequence, when seeing the shop, there seems to be decent enough effort from the directors to craft this world, and uh, also the torture methods for the ladies who do not do well in their training. 
uh, well, well, they show one at the very least uh, when they um, throw them into the room with the hot floor, and they have to like oh, 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 and uh, try to avoid that. And and we know also when we see um, the donkey, the wooden don- donkey with the um, wooden dildo going up and down as you roll that uh, thing along, you know that's gonna come back uh, also at some point in the movie. That's okay. All of that stuff. It's not thrilling. It's not uh, this decadent sort of masterpiece in. Uh, fantastic uh, sort of onslaught of oh yeah but it's okay as technically and while it lasts but as you say it it, it doesn't really um pay off for the entire movie as such uh. fun little exploitation moments you know that kind of pop here up here and there but to endure that you must sit through like a five or six minute sex scene with most of it with some guy like freaking a girl out by putting a turtle on her belly or whatever you yeah know? And that was the peter yang character our co-director uh, yeah. uh, who's, who's so smug too because he's not into it he just likes uh, the dominance of it all <laughs> by using a turtle a little baby turtle as you said yeah not even like a snapper <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, it will get your nipple all... if you don't behave i mean he won't bite but you know he'll crawl on it for fuck's sake Okay, it's it's a new visual, but uh, not necessarily um, something that starts to elevate the movie into cray, uh, you know, to cray cray uh, territory. One um, and, and and then when we get to the whole um, when clients come into the picture, there, there's some slightly fun stuff here and some some very uncool stuff too. Uh, they seem to all be equipped with chastity belts, which the customers. Uh, unlock at their own uh, leisure and one seems to be the side I, I did i did not really understand this but they are virgins obviously right and one of the clients he doesn't unlock the entire chastity belt but only unlocks the front which is big enough to fit a dildo which he pushes into her through that opening and therefore takes her virginity so to say that is uncool. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, the client. Man. He can do what he likes, I suppose. But it's so uncool. And then versus the voiceover that you hear from the lady. Like, their first night experience can be rather erotic. <laughs> yeah. Tell that. Tell yourself that, lady, because these girls are hurting. This English dub, the... Uh, you know, I, I've been trying to, like, piece it in my head. Like, where... You know, it reminds me of something, and I want to think it's probably like uh, maybe it's some Fulci movie. I'm not you, sure. You know, what. I, I think I know what you're onto because I thought the same fucking thing. So I'm gonna tell you what I thought it was. What la- you think? The lady that is talking like this, right? I think it's not the same, but it sounds like the voiceover lady for the trailer for Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, like, this yeah. movie contains scenes of a horrible love. Oh. I'm so high, so I'm just reading this now. It's the fair. It's either cannibal fair. The it's a holocaust. Can be very erotic. On the f- everything's like dramatic. Like she's reading from like fucking Shakespeare or something like that. Twas a midsummer night's dream when the turtle and... walked across the lady's skin. The balloons are where the ideas are. The balloons. Their first night experience can be rather erotic. We can just the redo ideas. this movie. <laughs> like when you're fishing, 
You put your line out. The ideas come to you. <laughs> Anything gets better with Lynch, man. <laughs> exactly. It's a dark as told, but it's not pitch black. And maybe that's the fault of the movie, too, that it isn't pitch black enough. But I, I think the fault of the movie is the fact that it, the pitch black aspects are not developed enough. They're developed so fast that... Um, uh, so, so this world where you have no choice but to be there for pleasure doesn't really affect as such. Um, there's a little interest that this is a high-class world of formalities, but it's an erotic uh, erotic world. You know, they, they use formalities surrounding this, this, uh, the essential pleasures and these uh, perversions. There's that, but in reality, it's not much. You know, they, they, there's no subtext, there's no commentary such that stays with you. It's just something that the stoned VO lady states to us right yes and she you know and she's introduced like 10 or 15 minutes in the film as like the uh i guess the madam of the brothel and the school and what have you but i truly just thought it was going to be a voiceover thing and i'd wondered like during that first first 10 15 minutes film i was like is this all the movie's gonna be just like you know these random ass scenes of like women being trained to become sex slaves and everything, and they're just going to keep, you know, talking about it. To be an excellent prostitute, one must be able to use the eggs. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) That was like an outtake from the voiceover session. Able (laughs) to use the eggs. Fuck, what is this shit? We'll keep keep it. We'll keep it in. It's brilliant. Make your voice higher in the middle. Do it. Up and down and up and down. You're a ghost, you know. Oh. I have to make this movie alive somehow. Bring in some 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 soundtrack on vinyl that we have lying around. Love me, baby. Make love to me. <laughs> <laughs> Cut the print. Move it on. We got it. Find me the worst disco song that you can, please. Someone ripping off Donna Summers. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> You know, as the love story, so to say, I mean, I, I say that with, with a negative tint because it isn't affecting, it's not well developed. The contrast of Henry Yu's character as a customer versus the other customers is that he he appears to be sort of, I'll buy her, thank you very much. And then when he gets into the bed uh, with Susan, uh, played by Siu Yam Yam, they're, they're both sort of insecure and they bond that way. Fine. You set up that and then go with that and develop that to a basic level at the very least if you can do that then at least we have a little movie of with different tones and different content here and and that would have been fine but uh, because it's not fine then then this isn't a very like a big noted classic or anything it makes sense that a director like edmund pang knew of or found it because he he's always been a, a rather a genre fan or a deep cuts genre fan personally and some of that leaks into his own movies but um cult movie fans might get a kick off having this in your sort of library because it connect connects to Bulgaria if you liked Bulgaria that is then there is uh there is a connection to that could be fun you know um when all is said and done because the lovers separate Right, uh, Henry Yu's character is uh, Susan says you have to educate yourself and become a man of title, and then we can get together again and marry. And and all of that, 
Joshua is thrown to the wayside in favor of uh, her incarceration and her torture and stuff. And for I, I mean, I got it basically. But was that a point where you sort of lost uh, lost the plot in terms of where they were going and, and what they were developing uh, when they he you know fucks off out of the movie and all it's about is um, her crime, so to say. Uh, was it that point where things got incoherent for you? It was all just basically due to my lack of interest. And shortly after the uh, training sequences and stuff, the movie kind of lost me. And uh, exactly, the dog, the dog agrees. <laughs> the dog. No more movie. Very no more movie. <laughs> He's like, let's talk about Bulgaria. Come on. <laughs> But yeah, the movie lost me uh, very early on. And yeah, all this, at points I was like, okay, well maybe this will turn into like a, a you know, Chinese torture chamber story type thing and we'll get some crazy torture sequences and stuff. But even that, all that, even the torture is kind of bland, you know? I mean, the, I mean, the content is kind of harsh if you list it. At one point they send in like, six or seven guys to uh, have a little mass mass rape session of susan that that's pretty horrible and uh it, and, and also we got the, the tani chen character uh, you know the bitch of it all that eventually gets the donkey uh she's sort of the manipulative uh, one behind the scenes and stuff like that so but but none of that really you really it, it, like it doesn't spike like 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 you'd want it to but like the rape sequence yeah it's terrible but a lot of it is just, you know, clothes being ripped and then, like, you know, sh- close-ups of, like, ugly, disgusting guys going, uh, 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 uh. and then, like, there's the sequence with, like, the almost like the mini crucifixes that they're on, which I didn't, didn't quite understand the horrors of that. You, you're, you're a bit tied up, lady. What do you think of that? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> you're tied up. It's, it's, like, it's like the Spanish Inquisition. You know, bring out the... Comfy cushion, <laughs> or the comfy chair, rather than that uh, Monty Python skit. They're like, "Are you comfortable? Yes, I'm rather comfortable. Good. I mean, shit. <laughs> Not doing this right. Uh, I didn't know either because in these, you remember Chinese torture chamber story when they are presented before court. They're they're not always or ever tied up. They're just supposed to kneel there on the floor and take their their physical and verbal punishment. So that's that's enough and i mean we we got little beats from a chinese torture chamber story that popping up in this movie not not from it but uh, akin to it that's only a note you make because you recognize it not because it's on the same level or anything no not nearly the same level but i had hoped and it didn't go there yeah i mean the donkey looks looks like a little nice piece of production design because they roll it and uh, and the thing goes uh goes up and down because the wheels are connected to it and stuff like that so great set piece you know a very memorable aspect of the movie between that and the i guess the training sequences that's probably why the film has it's uh what popularity it does I mean, does it even? I, I've never gathered that it has any popularity because it's 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 obscure, and uh, I'll get to why it's also obscure in the availability. It's it's available, but it's not very English friendly uh, officially. But did did you have any notion of it yourself? That oh yeah, I remember that movie from something something. I've heard of it, you know, multiple times from different people, but it could just be because it's Shaw Brothers and it's. 
Well, well, it is in Shaw Bros. As far as it's I'm not. Aware. No, I, some resources uh, indicate that it is, but uh, it was uh, not released on um, on on the remastered Shaw Brothers line or anything. It's another production company, so <laughs> distance themselves from it. What <laughs> what what year was it, roughly? Seventy six. Seventy six. So it's it's pretty far back there. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know. I think that. Uh, it's a curiosity from its period. You know, it does have enough sex to fit in line with a lot of the shittier uh, Category 3 films that would come later, you know? Like that same mentality of just, you know, squeeze a sex scene in every couple of minutes type deal. Yeah, exactly. That That's my point in terms of, like, the, the directors seem interested to craft the uh, first third of the movie with the various training and sex scenes. I mean, visually and design-wise, it's not super lazy as such. Uh, it's okay, but you, you'd you wish that it would have leaped off into some kind of slightly engaging story. And, and the problem there by the end, I mean, we, we're spoiling it, so I don't care. The problem by the end is, like, Henry Yu and uh, Siu Yam characters that they are separated for so long they meet up when he's part of their court and he's shocked like oh my god it's her and obviously the point is time passed and they abandoned each other or couldn't get together or contact each other but all of that is very vague and then by the end she kills herself they, they squeeze in this uh further development of the story the second half of it for the last 15 minutes or something and it's such a short time to keep up and be affected by it. And therefore, as I said, in my quick opinion, it doesn't earn its darkness. So Swift is not bad as a movie and being short, but not getting the basic core. That is bad. Right. Uh, the basic core right. That is bad. And unfortunately, that that is what happens here. Because I didn't care one iota for the fact that this turned tragic. Tragic. Now, the real ultimate question of the film is uh, how did this become Brother Tyrannosaurus' favorite film? <laughs> well, he liked, uh, he liked uh, the actress, uh, for sure. I mean, Just thinking of Yum Yum caused him to get a hard on. Exactly. And, and you wonder, though, that it's either or that, that Edmund Pang and his writers for Bulgaria they knew that this had a cult reputation, so write that into the film, or they made up the fact that this has a cult reputation and give that to ronald cheng's character and that's fine too so i i don't really know how uh if it's uh, maybe it was uh cheap enough the reference you know that they didn't have to uh pay anybody off or anything like that i mean she she's famous as uh, yum yum uh, she she she's done more erotic uh throughout the years and things like that so they, this was not her only uh, erotic movie and just talking about yum yum right now is giving me an erection so Inside voice, inside voice, Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, my only, uh, the only note I have left is the fact that Dean Sheck is in this movie. He plays the uh, assistant of Henry Yu's character, and he keeps sort of taps on him, and he peeks uh, and peeps uh, a couple of times. And he's he's like this scrawny guy, but he isn't there to get the movie movies great in comedy up to this obnoxious level that he usually takes it up to. He's more I don't know, he, he he just isn't that guy and it's sort of slightly funny that uh, he has a dialogue scene with the uh, old uh, mama-san about the fact that uh, he's well endowed and uh, in an unseen scene, uh, she uh, the old lady tests uh, tests him out to see if that's true or not. So Dean Shek has sex with an old lady in this movie, which is fine, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's not cray-cray 
in terms of like oh I'm so big and stuff it they attempt it to be light I suppose but it's not um, they they don't like um, increase the um, sort of um, pitch of the movie uh, they just say it kind of thing yeah I uh, I like the part where uh, he kind of became like uh, like mentally retarded for like forty five minutes and then uh, Chow Yun Fat was playing his uh, you know uh, twin. And then they were in New York and shit. And there was that whole <laughs> bit with the rice. That was great. Is that the confession of a concubine eight or something? The eighth one? <laughs> and he's like, uh, and then he's like, uh, what's the matter? You don't like my rice? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking fried rice. Stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see your manager, right? Give me your greasy manager, right? <laughs> that guy when he throws the fucking right. Yeah, that's Louis Roth for you. Oh, and, but, but, he, but his assistant, like his uh, crony, his uh, henchman, like, want to see your greasy manager, right? <laughs> and then, like, how can I do? What can I do for you, sir? When Giant Fat goes yeah. into his old spiel and eating rice off dirty floors and things like that. It's a method, man. <laughs> In a different movie that is kind of flawed, but way better than Confession of a Concubine. Great ending to that movie. Much better than the ending of this film. Yeah. No uh, no, no quick shootout in that one. Uh-uh. Uh, but uh, anyway, that, that's the end of my notes, buddy. Anything else you want to say? Better tomorrow, too. I really enjoy it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. I, would, I need a good copy of it. It's out there. It's remastered in some shape or form. They haven't buried that one. Uh, cool, my friend. As for Confession of a Concubine and its availability, it was released by Joy Sales in Hong Kong on DVD as part of their legendary uh, collection. Uh, neither VCD or DVD had English subtitles, which is a break from the norm. A huge break from the norm. We were fortunate enough to watch a custom version with the English dub track added, as this had international distribution or the attempt was to distribute it internationally so they prepared a dub track I, I, because I, I don't know of its release history otherwise uh, explanation for the lack of English translation may be connect um, to the fact that it never played in Hong Kong and it was required by law to have subtitles uh, in Chinese and English for cinema releases but if it, even if it played in Taiwan only in Taiwan they had the same thing they had multiple subtitles so it's one of those that fell through the cracks, possibly, in terms of crafting subtitles when, when they decided not to, um, then or and then later when they, they decided to, maybe it was too close to release and they just shot it out and didn't care if one didn't have subtitles. And, and, Joy, and, and, and Joy Sales didn't bother to do their own, uh, therefore, uh, based on that. How did Brother Tyrannosaurus see this? I don't know. Well, he presumably it was dubbed in Mandarin somewhere. <laughs> gotcha. gotcha. Okay, that's what, that's it. So through, so through your your theory, theorizing there. <laughs> Got a sharp mind up there, buddy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Confession of a Concubine put to bed, and that's the movie that um, 
the characters in Bulgaria attempt to remake, and that Bulgaria is from 2012. And uh, we now we're gonna finally talk after the break of uh, the movie about the category free movie about making category free movies, and uh, we'll give you the lowdown of on Edmond Pankhoucher, the director, and uh, what of what we think, of course, of Bulgaria from 2012. So. Uh, <laughs> you want to sing some more before we put Confession of a Concubine to bed? Are you that infatuated with the theme music that you want to get a lost bar in there? Uh, 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 baby, make love to me. Make love to me. Gonna, gonna uh, sing it like Nicolas Cage is does. Uh, instead, like, uh, make love to me, uh, baby. Make love to me. <laughs> And then uh, Crazy Clown Times, David Lynch comes in to do his version of it. Go. Make love to me, baby. Ah. 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 I'm adding the Twin Peaks. Doing nothing and nothing to me And welcome back in the second review of this episode is the movie about making category free movies that we promised to talk about and it is Bulgaria from 2012 and plot from the Love HK film review of the film. Producer To Y Chung, played by Chapman To, gives a Q&A to an assembly of university students at the behest of an old friend Professor Cheng, played by Lawrence Cheng, and immediately compares his job as a producer to human pubic hair. From there, the film descends into increasingly off-color observations and depictions of the film industry, as Toe describes his latest project, a remake of the 1976 erotic film Confession of a Concubine, a.k.a. I Want More. We didn't say that, actually. It's known as I Want More as well. Uh, Toe also talks about his uh, sacrifices to get the film produced, uh, which involves triads, mules and some activity involving the latter that Toe claims to have forgotten. Bestiality. He fucks a mule. Oh, did he? Uh, Toe's involvement with uh, Four-Legged Beasts uh, uh, this Four-Legged Beast uh, is uh, the sort of film's longest-running joke as he constantly uh, is uh, harassed and asked uh, by the students about the subjects. Toe also wonders uh, what happened by that e- uh, during that evening uh, as he was uh, set up by his pal Loy, played by Samuel Loy, to meet mainland triad Tyrannosaur, Tyrannosaur, played by Ronald Cheng, who expresses the desire to see his favorite erotic film get remade. So that's how it starts off. Tyrannosaur also demands that the original film's lead actress Siu Yam Yam return for the sequel. She's older now. It's uh, 35 years later obviously. Uh, It's been over 30 years since the original movie so having Siu Yam Yam stripped for a sequel would be a difficult proposition. Fear not. Toe has a fantastic plan to make Tyrannosaur's dream come true. Involving newfangled CGI and the help of a wannabe starlet known as Popping Candy played by Dada Chen. And uh, Dada Chen, I don't know if you recognize that, I didn't, but she uh, she's the love interest of Chapman Toes in Flirting in the Air. 
Uh, oh. So she, she was in uh, uh, that movie um, with him as well. Uh, before we do uh, the movie as such, uh, we're just going to talk a little bit about the director Edmund Pang Ho Chung, very well-known Hong Kong director. Um, he was born in Hong Kong in 1973, and artistic talents started to emerge at a young age. Um, he um, started to work with a notable painter called uh, Chen Hai Ying at the Hong Kong Academy of Fine Arts at the age of eight. And he continued uh, to learn airbrushing and graphic design skills in his early teens and was actively involved in drama during school to an extent as well. And at 15 years old, the call came to make uh, movies as he started to use a video camera to craft short films together with his older brother. He uh, started abroad in Taiwan shortly before returning to Hong Kong, again where he worked for Hong Kong Asian Television as a gag writer. Uh, In addition to that, he penned short stories and movie commentaries for local newspapers. Uh, But in 1997, he found a project that led somewhere truly. He researched for 18 months for his first novel, Full-Time Killer. And the finished book got popular. Uh, sold more than 100,000 copies, uh, was reworked into a radio program, a radio drama, and was also made into a feature film in 2001 starring Andy Lau, and it was directed by Johnny Toe and uh, Wai Kafai. Uh, he's now a filmmaker himself, Edmund Pang Ho Chung, that is, uh, of over a dozen movies. Uh, he um, de- made his debut with the satirical comedy You Shoot, I Shoot from 2001. Ah. Hey, I like that movie too, doggy. <laughs> I approve. Uh, you, you Shoot, I Shoot uh, in 2001 was about a hitman using an aspiring film director to shoot his assassinations. Get it? Shoot. You Shoot, I Shoot. Uh, so, so, yeah, it's a cheeky little movie. has some commentary in it, uh, too. He actually struck box of box office gold with his second movie, uh, which is uh, a little uh, movie out of the template of Misadventures in Fooling, uh, the comedy called Men Suddenly in Black from 2003. It wasn't a Category 3 movie, though, but um, so hence it was kept out of this show. Uh, co-starred Chapman Toe, among other people. And what was apparent by this time, Joshua, was Edmund Pang's eye for... Uh, referential humor, absurd situations, sharp satire that often was talking of co- both connected or unconnected, uh, you, know, you know, unconnected thoughts and events uh, versus their on screen notions. Like there was something else brewing underneath there that only he knew of that he thought of quite uh, emotionally sometimes. <laughs> and so he talked of serious things uh, underneath the surface. Uh, within comedies, uh, which is part of a playful tone and an odd, and it's an odd, sincere sort of a train of thought that I've always liked. He has since dabbled in slower arthouse movies, uh, for instance, Isabella, Extreme Gore with the housing crisis at the forefront in Dream Home, and in Bulgaria we see um, category free filmmaking through his um, eyes, uh, while, while also looking back on the, on the good old days to an extent, which is a theme that pops up in his uh, movies. He is also an award winner, among other things. He won an award for his script to the movie Love in a Puff. And his direction on Men Suddenly in Black was also awarded. And for me personally, there's always a joy, or that joy, of watching a Pang Ho Chung movie. Since uh, he is part a nerdy movie fan, but he's also a sharp movie fan, sharp satirical writer. And he manages to argue that I can make a nuts movie I can act, and I can say something that Hong Kong people think about too, in both a funny way and a serious way. I, I don't care. I'll, I'll certainly do that. That's that's filmmaking for me, to have the contrasts. 
And, and he's not afraid to have dirty fun, obviously, as evident in Bulgaria. And also, um, one of my favorite <laughs> favorite examples of that is um, one of the shorts he did in the movie Trivial Matters. He directed all of the shorts, but the one of the shorts has Edison Chen chatting up a girl in a club and telling, telling her about his um, great superhero service he provides to the world which is that he pisses on shit stains in public toilets. <laughs> what a great man. <laughs> so it's a little like, Edison Chen, like I'm speaking English, I'm, yo, 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 yo. But then Pang Ho Chung does that instead, that he writes that for his little two, uh-huh. three minute short. It, it, it's not extensive at all. So obviously it's one gag. And let's do a little short about that. So, And uh, he's very funny in that one. Edison Chen, sort of sending up his own sort of um, gangster image is sort of urban urban image if you will uh, cool uh, so that's Pang Hong Chung and I, I haven't seen all the movies um, the love in a series that he's done he's done three movies uh, on that um, on that note I haven't seen those yet I haven't seen Aberdeen which is his latest but I think that's a drama uh, so uh, but, but Dream Home certainly is a very widely seen movie because of the gore aspect but I think viewers would recognize that he's actually talking of something out of society as well the the escalating prices within the housing um, uh, housing market and things like that and how you can affect that well you can go on a killing spree and uh, a gory one at that very fun movie uh, so i know you haven't seen it yet but uh, it's a it's a good time it's not heavy-handed that's the thing you it's there you'd you, you'd recognize it but ultimately a movie like that is just fun gore stuff man I know we talked about it earlier, but I would just like to go on record and say that I'm not a huge fan of his uh, Love in an Elevator, um, the sequel. It's it's a little too short for my taste, and uh, I don't think Steven <laughs> I don't think Steven Tyler puts in the best performance that he could in it. And uh, the whole thing with like mannequins and stuff like that, I thought it was like a huge. I can't believe you the movie remember mannequin. the video. I know the video was probably <laughs> set in an elevator and had a chick in it. It did. Maybe. And she was like in a bikini. And then I remember this whole bit with like mannequins. And I remember like Steven Tyler. Wasn't he like painted up in it I or something? I have no shit? idea. I don't remember. It's just, uh, it was probably an elevator and a chick. It was 1988, man. Come on. Concept video. We'll, we'll set it in an elevator. We're going to do this big, guys. We're going to make a fake elevator, and you're going to dance around it with this hot chick in a bikini. Trump was obviously the director. <laughs> it's going to be tremendous. The best, best bikini. It's going to be the, the best bikini. We're going to have the best cinematographer. I think that's too big of a word for him. <laughs> best person that film, filmed the, filmed the film. <laughs> Who movies the movie? <laughs> <laughs> Actual Trump court. <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. Enough of that. We'll, we'll, we'll date the podcast. Uh, in well, we'll date it in ten minutes because it's move. His world is of uh, things is moving fast. You know. Anyway, let, let's move on to another thing, and that is our short, bite-sized opinions of uh, Vulgarius. So I'll I'll, uh, I'll let you go. I'll let you go first. What did you think of uh, Pango Chung's uh, category-free movie about making category-free movie? Despite having no nudity whatsoever in it i thought it was pretty fucking phenomenal 
where does the category three rating stem from then just in a short uh, to, to give the listeners an idea why why with no nudity it should have been family friendly but why is it category three it's very uh dependent probably upon on the tarantino-esque dialogue everything's fuck this fuck that shit piss cock blah 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 pubes uh, pubes a lot of pubes <laughs> off a lot of blowjobs with pop rocks, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything's good. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll keep it short because uh, I, I, I agree. I mean, you can you can pick if you like if you think it's meaningful or not. If it's good crass, bad crass. I mean, Edmund Pang and crew certainly don't care about the fact that they're slingshotting us back and forth between those thoughts and this bizarre making of a movie within the movie and and the family problems of Chapman Toes and the possible bestiality that uh, made confessions of two concubines happen. They they don't care if they slingshot us around all of that. And I think it's su- super confident and it shines and Pang again makes valid satirical points amidst this very funny movie. Because, because I don't think you need to be a Hong Kong film fan to recognize that he's sort of pining for... Uh, what films used to be so, so often you find that uh you know both modern and the classic you know heyday of hong kong sex comedies you know th- these movies were often put together without much foresight into plot narrative structure and things like that and you don't really see that with this film you actually have plot progression you have characters that are likable you know i think it's such a great fucking idea to have this main protagonist not be the typical um, Hong Kong, you know, boobs type character, because, you know, even though you have characters like that in the film, you know, it leads to our protagonist actually being someone that the audience can in modern times root for. But at the same time, you have all kinds of silly, you know, crass sexual stuff going on. Which it uh, warns us of uh, beforehand. So you want to talk of the uh, their own created um, disclaimers before the movie because it's not standard disclaimers. Um, but they they're making a point here. So yeah. uh, I want to talk of uh, what flashes before the screen um, on the screen before the movie starts. A lot of warning. There's two warnings, right? I can't remember exactly how they went, but basically that you know this film is uh, rated for vulgar dialogue and vulgar things like that. Well, it's rated for political incorrectness, discrimination. Discrimination. <laughs> like we're going to discriminate. So uh, yeah. So so essentially, they're saying we're going to be crass, and you've been uh, you've been uh, warned. And and to me, that was a dig at uh, people being oversensitive, uh, really. So. Uh, they're just saying that it's here. We're doing it anyway. So if you're sensitive, then if you, yeah. There's there's even there's a bit later in the later in the film that I know we both really liked where uh, he is accused by his secretary, who by the way is like a gorgeous woman, that he does not actually you know uh, sexually harass, which is kind of surprising for these type of films, and uh, he's accused of harassing her. She, uh, she, uh, she being a mainland girl, although the actress is a Hong Kong lady, Fiona Sit, uh, she uh, misunderstands uh, a uh, the, the notion of your your efforts are nose diving. She thinks he's talking about muff diving. <laughs> so, so there, there's a yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we, we, we'll we'll get to that. I'm sure. But but I like the cap to that whole uh, warning that uh, the we we got political incorrectness, discrimination. This is vulgar and crass. And if you will experience, if you feel like you experience uh, illness or erectile dysfunction after viewing it, it's not our fucking problem. Then the movie starts. 
and and I think he has a bone to pick with the audiences uh, in a way because some people are just uh, they're they're entitled in a way to their uh, their, their you may you can be sensitive that's fine but sometimes you're acting way too entitled in terms of oh, I'm gonna express my dissatisfaction because I am dissatisfied. No, well, don't say anything and don't watch it, man. We we're gonna make our smart little crass movie, and that's that's our that's our little gig. So stay away if you don't like it. We said it at the top of the movie. Go away. I do enjoy that. I enjoy that. Uh, it's not your typical Hong Kong sex film, but in a lot of ways, it's still very much in love with the notion of Hong Kong sex films. Yep, so. he's not ashamed. He made a movie called AV, which was about uh, these uh, young adults. Uh, bringing an AV star from Japan to make, uh-huh. I think, a fake porn movie. They just wanted to have an AV star there. And it's uh-huh. a really good movie. It has points and it's uh, well-conceived, even though it was shot super fast. And um, So he, he is very clever. I, I was wondering, you realize in the first scene where Chapman Toe is uh, having this uh, Q&A lecture with Lawrence Cheng and the uh, the students, you, you realize that uh, they're, they're relying on... Uh, fast back and forth their dialogue is very fast between each oh, other very. was that at all hard to keep up with that because it is a choice to go that fast between each other and and all of that so do you have any thoughts on that no i thought that i thought it was uh, whoever did the subtitles for the film did a very good job of making it you know uh, i've watched films where the dialogue's not that quick and the subtitles just rush by and you get fucked over that way so uh it, it's easy to keep up with i find and uh you know also just very witty nice banter between the two yeah it is uh, he's a filmmaker and actor as well uh, lawrence cheng and uh uh, veteran one and uh, it obviously leads that uh, that first notion of him describing what a producer what a producer does and he it seems like he gets sidetracked and obsessed about other things but he actually he, he finds his points eventually and, and we won't spoil all the gags but obviously this one is funny what does he liken the work of a producer to what's the symbolism he uses to describe what a producer does you see a good producer He's there to reduce friction between people. And, you know, what uh, what reduces friction? A nice, fat, hairy bush. <laughs> and <laughs> he starts talking about pubes all over the place. Pubes this, pubes this. Like, um, if you're shaved, that's not good. <laughs> like, who wants a shaved bush, you know? If you try to fuck, it's going to hurt. That's what he said. But he's never done, though, right? He's a pretty sharp producer, yeah. even though he right, uses yes. uh, cross analogies. Now, he's actually a, a bright character, and you kind of root for him because of that. And you, you know, you actually root for this character. You know, he actually has, uh, you know, he loves his child. He, his ex-wife is kind of rude. Uh, oh, is she rude? She's he, a cunt. <laughs> she is. She's okay. There you go. Horrible, horrible character. But it, it plays into mild drama of the movie. I'll, I'll get to that later. Yeah, and I think that all that stuff actually works for a change in these movies. It so often doesn't, you know? And uh, I think it's very well put together. In that yeah, 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 the tones are so wildly different, but he's used to that. He, he's a veteran of that anyway, so I, I know that's not a red flag for the movie as such. I think my one of my biggest... Well, well, I'll mention the one thing that made me laugh the most. It's later in the movie. It, it doesn't really involve Chapman Toe, actually. But the thing that made me laugh the the most after that was when Lawrence Chang wants to get him on track again because he thinks he's not on track talking about pubes and shit. So he says, well, 
once you have money, like you talk about the investment, and then money is important, important, because then you can fool around. Then <laughs> 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 you have money to sleep with chicks. <laughs> like no, 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 no. Talk about that. Uh, so so I, I like that Ch- Chapman is like he starts with a low type of delivery. Well, money is important because you can fool around. <laughs> so he, he gets us uh, and then goes up. Just checking through my notes. Well, well, I, I mentioned the the very funny uh, pitch scene where Fiona Sit just gives him the synopsis for the commercial or advertisement pitch that he has to make to that company. And here's the director. He he, he wrote the synopsis, and it's on a Hello Kitty USB stick, and he doesn't know what synopsis awaits him. And it's all he's <laughs> he barely changed it. He just changed a few things around. That's it. <laughs> and he highlights from that uh, synopsis as he goes through it because it sounds good enough for that company. Like uh, <laughs> because they they have the star uh, that they 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 have an example of what star they can bring in to advertise their things. Uh, Jay Chow. Jay Chow. Kato himself. Very suave guy. <laughs> and, and then it goes, and, and then it becomes anti the company <laughs> really because it, it's a feature film that. It's about money laundering and shit like that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's going through. He's like, okay, you're a uh, insurance company. We're gonna have, you know, wouldn't you love to see a movie with Jay Chow standing in front of your logo for ten minutes, yes, fifteen yes, minutes, yes. And, and, then, and then they like switches to the next thing, and it's like Al Qaeda. <laughs> Later on, he's like, yeah. So Al Qaeda, if if they were to blow up a building would be terrible, you know, and y- you would be the heroes to help out the people, and then it keeps going, start going into fucking the company money laundering or whatever the hell. It- <laughs> That's the uh, the guy who wrote it is um, the uh, director that Matt Chow plays. Uh, Matt Chow plays that uh, he, he's a director, but he also runs a an illegal uh, gambling den. Gambling den. He's into some nefarious shit, hiring Indian uh, workers illegally. So, so we see that character, Blackie Attack, is the character. It happens later in the movie, but I might as well ask it. Edmund Pang definitely is uh, playing, uh, you know, playing up two things here that I think is would have been part of his director's statement. And one is uh, that is it is a comment on uh, loose and sloppy ways movies can get made in this day and age, whether it's a good idea or not, and how how these different cooks in the kitchen are some of the most mad assembled and you really should think of what you're doing if you if you choose to make a movie based on tried investments uh, with these wacky ideas i mean i don't know if it's so much it's not a dig and criticism well part of it i think is a dig and criticism part of it is is him being very aware of this as how movies were made but at the same time think of what i said in the bio that's could be considered to be underneath optional stuff beneath the surface and on the surface is this crazy crazy movie about a crazy triad member from the from a mainland and his idea for a movie mm-hmm. and the wackiness that goes with that you know would it work without that possible commentary underneath the surface i mean i mean is it funny enough or, or do you extract the fact that he's probably commenting on the movie industry to a degree, whether current movie industry or past movie industry. I think that like if, if an audience isn't picking up on that, I think that it works well enough regardless because it's so entertaining and the characters are so likable and you can truly invest in the movie. But 
if you want to dig a little deeper, then that stuff is there. And I think that that gives another layer to the film. I think that that works. That layer is therefore supposed to be in the big scene uh, in the mainland with Ronald Cheng, Simon Loy and Chapman Toe, uh, you know, eating the dinner and uh, trying to craft an agreement. And obviously it's it's a centerpiece for the movie. Very immature and just designed to be a parade of uh, fucked up Chinese food that, that I hope is made right. up, mostly made up. <laughs> Two things. Uh, any highlights slash do you think Ronald Chang as Tyrannosaurus is um, because he's probably the most broad actor mm-hmm. and he's he represents the being it's the most broad performance uh, in the in the movie. So uh, I, I wanted to get, get your take on that. Any highlights and if you think Ronald Chang uh, strikes a balance uh, as this because he's not he's not uh, intimidating. He's the uh, pr- pretty goofy and broad. I think he's great. I think that, uh, you know, when you have too many of those characters is where you run into problems. When everybody else is playing it straight, I think that, you know, you can have that sort of silliness and have it play off very well. You know, especially like his, uh, you know, side man and everything like that who provides the intimidation, dropping the gun and things like that. Yeah, Lam Suet. Yeah. Uh, you have him who's providing the you know the force behind the character so you do kind of feel some intimidation like you're like well you can't leave this guy unimpressed or else this guy's gonna put a bullet in your head so even though he's silly and he's like ha 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 and way over the top the character works within the premise of the story you know i don't think his idea is uh it could be extracted from reality i think in the 80s and 90s, many Hong Kong filmmakers had meetings with triads who wanted their idea on oh, the yeah. screen. Because we have the money and they, if you don't give us face, then we are going to put a bullet in your head. And so you just have to go with it. And obviously Chapman Toe and Simon Loy, they have to go with it big time because they we get this parade of fucked up Chinese food. And uh, thank God the subtitles are as good as they are because uh, it's... <laughs> there's so much here it goes on for so yeah, long no. and i think it's i think it's actually quite great that that it does because they just throw in it, it's 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 disgusting around here we actually do eat fried frog legs so if i would have been there at that table you know when they pulled out the uh what was it i think i don't know if it was fried or baked rabbit heads the then they had the fried frogs and then they had what else was there? They had well, well, the, well, well, the thing I liked most was that, that they had a family of like fried mice. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like you got to eat the mother first. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the mother, the father, and the kids. And he's like, like and the, the, I, I caught like and Lam Suet slams the gun on the table. You're not giving us face. <laughs> like I'm trying to act courteous. I give you exotic food. <laughs> they have like the tails and shit. You can see like. The- <laughs> like god almighty oh man i'm telling you i just went for the fried frogs how to grab them bad boys up exactly so it's uh, it obviously happens the whole that uh, his uh his uh, love for confessions of a concubine and he, he wants sort of remake it but it's the title is a sequel title confessions of two concubines and if there's uh if it's successful was <laughs> a trio of concubines? We can do it? we can do it all. We can there's numbers. In, a foursome in, of uh, concubines. 
So um, that that's the sort of fuel for the movie, and um, he definitely wants uh, Sui Yam Yam in the movie and to be nude as well. The star from Confession of a Concubine is in this movie now, uh, 35 years older and uh, an old lady, and uh, she's uh, quite a regular in uh, both Pang's movies, she's done award-winning work in Derek Kwok's movies, so she's a reliable uh, reliable face. I mean, she, she looks quite distinctive nowadays, I mean, I think some people might make fun of her, because she looks quite, um, she has aged gracefully now, but she, she has a very like intense look nowadays, and a very distinct chin. I was going to say she's got a big chin. Yeah. But uh, she, she's a game actress, man, because uh, she, if she was precious about her image, then she wouldn't have agreed to make a movie that references some old shit that she did, you know? So you, you got to give her that. that um, and, and in the movie, she says that, well, I'm an old lady. Like, what are you talking about? We can't do this. I mean, I'd love to act, but I, I can't get nude. I mean, what are audience is going to think? Do you think the whole the did he did he not fuck the mule gag the way it comes back into the movie disappears comes back disappears you know is is a crucial and a successful part of the movie for you or one of the many gags of the movie albeit the key key one uh the the, the did he or didn't he i think there's no question he did it but uh i think uh i think it's just a good gag that kind of keeps coming back uh I think it's sold well throughout the whole movie. Uh, the line that he keeps using throughout the whole movie is, I've lost the footage, meaning he lost his memory of the situation because you know, he couldn't remember because he was so drunk and uh, it was such a devastating moment for him. But I think that kind of doesn't work so well, like that, that term, because by the end of the film when there's the big gag, at the end, which I guess I won't spoil, uh, I had forgot that term, you know? And then I had to think, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? It's not the best drive of the movie. Like, they, without it, the movie would have been screwed or anything. No. It, it's kind of fun that they do the, the, you know, initially that the movie burns out just as the su- scene is about to start. And Chapman Toe comes, comes onto the screen to do, discuss why it looks like that to the kids. Because the kids do not watch film on film anymore. Obviously, they watch film on digital. So... Uh, he comes onto the screen to talk to us a little bit, uh, breaking the fourth wall to <laughs> describe what just happened. Which is, I think, Edmund Pang, I, I think he pines for that a little bit. Uh, he's, um, he's of the generation that he grew up with film. But it's not a key centerpiece, thematic, social commentary, satirical commentary for the movie. It's just one of these things that I, I'm just going to talk a little bit about my nostalgia for film and physical film for two minutes. I can survive without it, but I'm going to put it in the movie anyway. Because uh, I got clout, so and and I'm I'm good at my job, so I'm gonna put it in. It's not a career crusher. This gag falls flat, and it's a strange tightrope he's uh, walking. I think yeah, that is he, because I think it seems indulgent uh, as a movie. It's so there's, it's there's so much here, uh, breaking the fourth wall and referential humor. But you being a fairly new viewer to his. Uh, to his work. I mean, does it seem to packed too many ideas in one, or what do you think? No, I think that uh, it's paced well. I don't think that there's uh, too much in there. I think that uh, the jokes and the laughs kind of come at a decent pace, so I don't think there's any issue there. In terms of fitting drama into it, because there's a little family drama here. Uh, yeah. How do you think that works? Because the the whole the whole setup is that he, he's divorced and he can't pay alimony, so his uh, wife, the barrister, um, 
she she's not uh, willing to um, give him any uh, leeway, uh, and and I, I I guess in a way you don't blame her because he said over and over again like this movie is gonna be hit and this movie is gonna be hit and nothing nothing's working out and now this movie seems like more of the same. But uh, regardless, uh, he, he, to give audiences an idea too, is it uh, quite uh, melodramatic or is it more low key drama? I didn't find it to be melodramatic at all. I thought uh, I thought it was handles far better than it normally is there's no like sudden breaks into like you know tear jerking drama in the midst of a film where you know we're mostly joking about mule sex like the the bit in the film where uh we first meet popping candy i think is a good example of it like he he's coming to this office with his uh daughter and you know they're shooting this they're you know photographing some kind of like slightly sexual like photo shoot. Yeah, yeah. They have a little cat. They have a little catwalk there for for them to right. walk back and On forth top from. of his table. But yeah, they're doing this, and but you know, they it's it's funny how they have that joke set up in the midst of all this with him and his daughter. But it's not played in the sense like the daughter's being exposed to anything. Like the movie keeps these sequences separate, but does a you know a very nice job of like actually painting something human between these characters when we meet popping candy she seems like she's just going to be you know kind of a you know slutty type character or whatever but there's this great bit with them shortly thereafter going out and there's like a family moment you know i thought it was a little bit jumping the gun for the character to be like you know popping candy could be a great mother i thought that was like whoa you just just kind of well, you know what I like that moment is the fact that he, yes, they're jumping the gun, but they don't do it over voiceover. Chapman Toe right. turns to us. So, so yes. I think I'd like to believe that Edmund Pang says that, well, in normal insecure movies, they would have had that be a voiceover and probably the sole voiceover of the film. But I'm going to break the fourth wall because that's even dumber. You know, right. Right? that's even more noticeable. <laughs> the way the movie keeps these sequences separate and like eases into the. Um actual drama is really great like there's a bit where you know the character goes back to his wife trying to get money for his film but uh, his wife wants him to like abandon their child for like a year and you know he is very hesitant whereas like in in other hong kong films i could have seen him being like overly enthusiastic like sure yeah and then later on he has like a, a quick turn of events and says oh well no i really want her back in my life this film, they, you know, kind of ease it into it. Like, he's like, oh, I really don't want to do that, but it seems like he's going to maybe agree with it. And then later on, we get the definitive, no, I won't do that from the character. It's it's very even-keeled now. It is, and I think also for someone who's used to Chapman Toe as a comedic performer, it's nice to see that he can underplay, mm-hmm. and uh, but not underplay too much where only the artsy-fartsy scholars understand what is being said on the screen, because sometimes it's just him... Looking down and... Okay. It's a very different role from flirting in the air, but also equally as humorous, you know? Yeah, very much so. And he, he has showed this um, dramatic side on a couple of occasions before, included with Edmund Pang in one of the shorts within Trivial Matters. Here you go again. Trivial Matters contains the Edison Chen short, but also has heartfelt um, little shorts. Uh, uh, th- that one is quite wonderful. Uh, Chapman Toe plays, I think, himself, and he orders a prostitute to his room. I think he's in the mainland. And what it evolves into, I mean, this sounds so daft, but believe me, it's rather rather sweet. Um, he doesn't have enough battery on his phone, so when the, when the hooker arrives, 
oh god, how do I explain this? They don't have sex, I think. They just sort of bond over the fact that he doesn't have enough battery on his phone and they just sort of sit there in silence and enjoy some kind of tenderness over that. And believe me, that is actually very well played. <laughs> it's very quiet and just very, just music is playing over it. And that is the strength of Edmund Pang. That he, I'm, I'm going with that scenario and I'm going to make it the way I sort of see it. And I'm not going to ban the idea abandon the idea that that sounds daft that you combine that with sort of an emotional through line and he, he does it very well and then here it's not as contrasty as what i just explained it's it is a family drama about making decisions and uh, also making sure you stay in someone's life uh, in this case the daughter um, maybe you have to sacrifice other things in your life uh, including the filmmaking uh, and in a way he that is very apparent, but it's not overplayed. It's not overstated as such. I mean, even the, you know, when I say this, even the fact when he gets a chance to be on, I, I assume, like their version of Entertainment Tonight, they don't make that into a big moment. Right. I ex- kind of expected them to, but they didn't. Yeah. And I think that that's a, like an even even frequency to, um, to the drama. And I actually like uh, the switch that you hinted at uh, too uh, with uh, Dada Chen's uh, character, which is seems like uh, indeed like we're gonna, we're gonna have the slutty character that uh, gives blowjobs with uh, pop rocks in her mouth, and everybody's had it, had her in that way. <laughs> but the fact that she uh, didn't walk out of the office when the photo shoot was over and made sure the daughter wasn't alone—that's right. uh, that's really nice. That's really nice. Yeah. Like a nice, nice little motherly tendencies without the movie saying that. Toad's going to be the mother from now on because we're insecure about how to make drama so we're going to say it right now. Toad's going to be the mother. <laughs> and right. He, he does, but I, but the movie's... How do I explain this? It's, it, it isn't that... It is clever the way it recognizes that that um, that's just a little motherly instinct. And if Chapman Toad turns to the camera to say, I think she's going to be a good mother, that might be Edmond Payne saying, like, that would have been the trope. I'm aware of the trope. I'm not doing the trope, but I am doing the trope. That's a joke. <laughs> And all of those threads still comes off as he comes off as this uh, smart and confident filmmaker that he uh, pulls us in all those different directions. My favorite joke of the movie: um, we got a cameo by and a fairly extended cameo by the uh, the part Japanese Chinese actor Hiro Hayama of 3D Sex and Sen, uh, who they call the Chai and Fat of Category Three. <laughs> this movie, uh, he was the lead in uh, 3D Sex and Sen. And <laughs> this is wonderful. He just says this uh, when he meets Chapman Toe and he talk about his prior experiences. And Hiro Hayama says, I've developed an, a phobia towards explosions. I'm taking medicine towards it. Are there going to be explosions in the movie? And I just thought to myself, what the fuck is that? <laughs> that is super silly. And he is so sincere. He's, I'm taking medicine for this. So... <laughs> And he says, Chapman told us, no worries, Vonnie Loy is not in this movie. And as you remember, Vonnie Loy is, uh, was the um, uh, 3D Sex and Zen uh, character with the uh, with the huge penis, and she explodes in the movie yes. as well. So he says, she's not in this movie. <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> and I thought that was, what an idea. I've <laughs> That movie scarred me, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't want his penis to explode, that's all. Yeah, no. who can blame him? Uh, the, the, the funny thing is with the confession of a concubine, two concubines shoot, they're not remaking it, Joshua. Oh. They're, we don't see it, the movie 
in the in movie in the movie kind of thing we don't we only see them walking around uh, on the set and all that but they're making a period movie of a different kind joshua did you make any note of that when you hire <laughs> when you hire uh indian stagehands and uh i guess it's part of the director's vision as well to have you know giant paintings of wrecked airplanes <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a different sort of period film, yep. you know. Guaranteed to have Al Qaeda making an appearance. <laughs> and I, at I, one, I mean, at one point you see Hiro Hayama and Dada Chien, uh, have a little chat uh, on the set, and they're dressed in like it looks like it's a French or an English Victorian yes. set movie. It's a different period movie with Al Qaeda stuff apparently. In it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, okay, but uh, and and at least my favorite line in the movie. Uh, I, I won't provide full context, but I just loved it. It's um, one of the main characters. I wanted to see confessions of two concubines. So how did it turn into all this Al Qaeda stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Where did this come from? What the hell, man? Ah, oh, so good, so good. Uh, when all is said and done, decently meaningful, you know, the drama of uh, a possible disintegration of family and, uh, and filmmakers, um, I guess, uh, within the movie to a degree, trying to justify that their bad, disjoint- disjointed film is something akin to, uh, well, uh, may- maybe this is more the critics, uh, like the, some critics will say, like, a bad, disjointed film is, oh, it's postmodern. 90s kids will love it so everybody's gonna like some every anything you know and make a pretentious sort of a critical note of it uh, uh which amused me that uh, because it, it's not it, it looks crap it looks absolutely like it, it's it's barely held together this movie you, you'd imagine it would be like that and yet someone's gonna like it and uh, it obviously brings in points of uh, uh, you know movies and content going viral and things like that so he's uh, he's making uh, up-to-date commentary as well uh, Pang Hocho. um and he's, <laughs> I, I i don't have any other uh, concrete notes i just wanted to say did you spot in the credits that the movie actually did have a playboy condom sponsorship i didn't see that but it's a scene it in the movie sense. actually <laughs> yeah i mean it's the, the playboy symbols all over the place because obviously when they sit there and try to strike the sponsorship deal like it's a period movie why would there be condoms <laughs> in a period movie well let me tell you <laughs> i got a great idea what about time travel <laughs> well i'll tell you one thing you never you never have sex with a mule without a condom so that's that's a that's a guarantee <laughs> okay my, my final note and then i'll give you the floor to talk about uh, whatever you like uh my uh, special co-host on a variety of podcasts on fires paul fox uh, informed me that Obviously, this is a local comedy. It's full of uh, it's full of Cantonese language humor that a full grasp of Cantonese it would result in a more tighter comedic effect, I suppose. Even though we got a lot out of it, so to quote him, the biggest local laughs stemmed from Ronald Cheng and his dialectical use of language. Uh, also, Fiona Sit and her harassment interactions with Chapman Toe also had very localized use of foul language or near foul language. Which is something the subtitles and the scene as visually made explained well enough that she, as a mainlander, misunderstood that he wasn't sexually harassing her. He was critiquing her job performance, saying that you you took a nose dive, lady. (laughs) And uh, he he wasn't attempting to do a muff dive on the young lady or anything. 
and, and I, I think Ch Chapman, he, he's so determined, like in the day after, the, after the meeting he has, like, okay, I've written the words in front of him. I'm going <laughs> to teach her a fucking word. And this is going to be done, this shit, after this one. Like, so essentially, nose diving, moth diving, know the difference. <laughs> So, so yeah, uh, very good fun, and uh, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, as uh, one of the first, if not the first, uh, Pang Ho Chung movie you watched, and uh, he doesn't really make the same movie twice as such. Um, there's similar tones between the movies, um, but uh, there's always, always seems to be something new and often fun. Sometimes dramatic, sometimes very gory. So if if you were uh, looking for something else to see if you like this then then head, head into dream home because i think that's probably available to you at the click of a couple of buttons uh, being a widely distributed movie in the west including in the u.s well do uh it's not funny as such but it has the commentary mixed with that it's more it's gore and drama but the gore is a lot of fun uh, at one point uh, someone gets a huge um uh, a bong bot bottle shoved into the neck in a very very graphic uh, <laughs> graphic piece of <laughs> gore it, it's it's physical gore as well a lot of physical gore sweet uh it earned its category free rating and then some uh so yes yes any other notes my friend any highlights uh, as such uh, or any final words the whole movie's just filled to the brim with highlights i just recommend people go out and check it out it's it's really entertaining swift one as well 93 minutes and uh, then we're out, and uh, we also get uh, some some extra scenes during the credits, but they appear rather quick, so uh, yeah, there's no risk of uh, turning off uh, beforehand or anything. Uh, cool. And as for availability, it's available now on Hong Kong DVD and Blu-ray, as well as on uh, DVD and Blu-ray in the UK from Third Window Films, and uh, therefore they provided some English subtitled extras that they weren't subtitled on the Hong Kong uh, Blu-ray. Uh, there was a commentary on the Hong Kong Blu-ray, but that wasn't carried over to the third window films um, uh, uh, DVD and Blu-ray, so presumably they didn't see the need to uh, subtitle that commentary themselves, which is fair. It's a, a big job. So, so yeah, that was good. Good. Another movie about making category-free movies. Might be one or two left out there. <laughs> or we'll, we'll grab them as they pop up. In this case, uh, a few years later, we grabbed Bulgaria. So, um, but uh, it's always a delight to talk of that stuff with you because I think it, um, you know, if you think back to Ledgen of an erotic movie story, it, it was pretty, uh, pretty funny insight into the typical working environment of a of a nineties category free movie and how that was made in way grungier environments. You know, just rooms. You know, those nineties kids love that postmodernism. <laughs> Those movies are going to be looked at more, uh, more like a greater scholarly light. If someone, <laughs> if someone says postmodern and someone else says postmodern, and then they're off to the races. Those type of critics. I don't even know what postmodern means. I mean, isn't everything modern by now? It's uh, it's after modern, so typically. <laughs> Still don't understand it. Uh, That's why I do a show this called This Week in Sleeps with you because I don't understand those. While we make cum jokes. Mm. I like, understand nose diving and muff diving quite clearly. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but uh, like it rewind like 10, 15 years and Chapman Toe wasn't really on the path of being a good comedic actor. There was this notion of, well, I'll just be loud and broad. And that'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But there is this notion nowadays, especially now that he's, more, he's also Pang's producing partner. I think their company is the... Um, uh, making movie or making film uh, company 
their, their logo is uh, at the top of the film. Um, so just think, I, I just think that he's uh, he's learned to okay, you you gotta think through your comedic shtick a little bit more, and it's have a purpose and focus rather than aya and um, be loud and all of that. Can't all be uh, that or love me, baby, make love to me for seventy five percent of the film. It doesn't really work that way. Well, you know, it can be done, so why not? Yeah, can be done, but acceptance is the next hurdle to overcome. <laughs> anyway, uh, go get it. It's out there. And uh, in the meanwhile, in the meantime, uh, we are going to conclude this, this weekend's lead on Confession of a Concubine and Bulgaria. And uh, you find all your podcast on fire network needs, including uh, the This Weekend's Leads archive over at podcastonfire.com and all the social media links and email links if you have any questions or feedback. All available over there, including uh, also my writing and uh, Joshua's uh, podcast uh, archive. So that's the contact information, the really quick contact information. So yes, let's stop the fucking and let's see what the funny looking wooden donkey outside is all about. Looks like an amusement park ride, Joshua. I'm gonna take a ride on it. Ah!